Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm sitting down with my friend, Oscar. Now, Oscar is an amazing guy, very welcoming, very understanding, and very kind. Uh, I was struck by that when I sat down on his show, Locker Room B.O. The conversation we have is enlightening and interesting, and we hear about his perspectives on fatherhood and friendship and trust. I love this conversation, and I'm excited to share it with you. More important, though, than listening to this show, which, of course, I do appreciate, is listening to the people around you. I encourage you to take five minutes, just five minutes, out of your day-to-day to listen intently to the people in your life. Oscar Trujillo, welcome to My Wax Museum. Hey, thank you for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. So, uh, like I said, we start off every episode with how we know each other. So if you want to inform the audience and fill them in on uh, on how we got to chat, and uh, now's the time. Um, so I met Alex, I guess, uh, on Twitter. Just uh, we put an ad out, you know, we wanted to have guests on our podcast, uh, which, by the way, uh, I'm a podcaster, too. That's kind of how we really met Alex. Uh, so he reached out to us and, uh, you know, from there on, we just started chit-chatting and then we made it happen. We just had Alex on our latest episode. So if you guys get a chance, check us out at Locker Room BO where we had Alex. Uh, very fun conversation. And uh, yeah, now we're, we're, well, I'm guesting in uh, Alex's podcast now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it it was a great conversation. I love chatting with you guys. Um, and, and I'm going to have Brandon on, at, you know, later today as of recording, but uh in in the timeline of of the real world uh it'll be next week um and uh and i look forward to that conversation as well um so yeah that's how we know each other we're both podcasters you guys have a great show uh since we talked last i've listened to a couple more episodes um and just loved them like i love the conversations you guys with have with people um and yeah it's it's just awesome so uh Going going from there, let's let's look at the beginning of your life, your your beginnings. Uh, where are you from originally? Originally, uh, I was born in Mexico. Uh, within a couple months of being born, my parents split up, and we already had family here in the states. So then I came from Mexico to the states, and then I've kind of just I lived here for about um, six years. Um, from the moment of my birth. And then I guess my, uh, my parents ended up, uh, you know, getting back together. So we moved back to Mexico and then, um, living, living actually. So the reason uh, that I was, I found out later on through my mom was that, um, the reason why we decided to go back or she decided to take me back was because I would bother her about having a dad figure and having a dad. So she thought she'd give it a chance with my dad and, you know, they ended up, uh, you know, like I said, getting back together. So we were there from like age six to before I turned 13. Um, just living with my dad just wasn't what I expected it to be. It wasn't um, what I thought a father would be. So uh, we definitely suffered for a couple of years. And then my mom kind of just had enough and we decided to leave. So we came back to the States and then uh, from 13 till now, I'm going to be 30, um, haven't uh, seen or heard from my dad. So I'm here now. <laughs> so if, if you don't mind us us getting into that a little bit. No, 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 no. Do you remember as a kid 
wanting that father figure in your life? Yeah, I, I think it has to do with like, um, you know, the things that, that kids are doing in school. Like you get uh, to do stuff for like Father's Day and, um, you know, watching their dads being or kids being picked up by their dads and stuff like that. And and don't get me wrong. I did have a father figure growing up, which is my grandfather. Which, uh, I'm so appreciative of him. Um, but I, I understood that in the back of my mind, even as a little kid, that uh, he was my grandfather, you know. Um, and it wasn't until I got older, like in my 20s, that I realized that, you know, I was fine. I didn't I didn't really need to have that. Um, that father figure or realistically, like my my actual dad, because um, I had my grandfather there. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just, you know, knowing that that's your grandfather, not your dad was what really made me want that relationship. But I mean, I'm grateful for the experience. I mean, it, it made me uh, put effort into not being that way towards my own kids. Um, and I, I should say kid because I only have one. Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter, you know, so I do my best to not uh, replicate what my dad did to me. So, And so, so tell me about that then. Um, what, what in your mind um defines a father like what makes somebody a father um that's actually a really good question i think what makes somebody a father is um somebody who's willing to go any amount of length for their for their kids um and that could be always just being there for every event it could be just to be there for support you know, I think it's situational um, on everybody's relationship with, with their kids. Yeah, so you got to show up. Yeah. What do you, as as a father yourself, um, you said you have a seven-year-old daughter, right? Yes, yeah. Um, what what kind of things do you do to show up for her? Um, it's been a learning curve for me. Um, you know, obviously, I, I in my head, I had an idea of what I didn't want to be, you know, as far as how my dad was towards me. Um, and I think I'm doing okay. Obviously there's, there's room for improvement, you know, but I'm still learning this. And even though, like I said, I did have my grandfather, I didn't, I don't have anybody to really show me the the way to be a dad. So this has just all been learning and it's been trial and tribulations. You know, there's things where I'm like, damn, like I could have handled that a little bit better. Um, I know that we tried sports, uh, when she was five and it was a disaster on my end. Um, I got too, uh, too into it and didn't realize that, um, she's just a little kid still, you know? Um, so it's just, it overall, it's just, it's been learning. Like I, I, I really can't say too much into it because I'm not an expert with even my own child. Like I'm still learning. Uh, what, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned then, um, from being a dad? uh patient that is something for sure that i still struggle with i guess if you were to ask my family like i would be the least the last person to ever say like i'm having a kid um i've yeah i've just never liked kids i'm not a kid person before my <laughs> my child was born i had a, i have a niece and i was only able to tolerate her you know cuz she was my niece and then I had my child. I'm like, okay, well, my child's not going anywhere, so I got to put up with her too. Um, so 
that's just that's honestly the biggest thing that I can say, especially for people that don't see themselves being parents, um, is patience and and understanding that they're kids. Um, I have I have a problem where I, I tend to talk to everybody as if they were to understand me. And um, I, that's something I've been working on as well. So I talk to my child like the way that I would talk to you. You know, I, I, I express myself in ways that are like maybe a little bit too advanced for her right now. So it's like she's always giving me this blank stare of like, dude, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying right now. Um, so then I get frustrated. Um, but it's not her fault. It's just my own fault in not understanding that she's still a child. That'd be an interesting thing. Um, I think I, I feel like she's going to grow up. And be like, oh yeah, my dad's always talked to me like I'm another adult, like, and just, and she's probably gonna pick up a lot from it though, eh? Like, she's <laughs> yeah. probably gonna just like be able to have these better adult <laughs> conversations because of it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I, I've, I guess my overall goal was always to make sure she, uh, she can express herself adequately, you know, and not leave anybody guessing what she really meant. So what kind of what kind of things as a father um do you do you try to teach her? So responsibilities has been one of them and um independence. Uh, I think that's something that I don't I would like for her not to have to deal with and not in the sense of like I'm trying to train her to not ever need a man. You know, that's not where that's going. Um it's part of it, but that's not the focus. It's just I don't want her to feel like she can't ever do anything on her own. That whether I mean, if somebody's there to help her, that's like a, a plus. But that she can still do it on her own regardless and she can strive through it. Um, and not just because she's a woman, it, it's going to hinder her like she's going to continue to push on. And I think women already have that natural instinct to like overcome situations. But I want to like affirm that in her like, no. It doesn't matter what I look like, who I am. This is going to happen because I say it's going to happen. So how do you, how do you instill that in her? Like how, what kind of, uh, teaching moments do you use to, to teach her, um, that, that she's a strong individual? When, well, actually when school was up, you know, she had a lot of, um, issues with bullies and she had a lot of issues with friends and, and the thing is, like, I think it's just trying to get her to understand, like, hey, you don't have to react like this. You know, you can be stronger than this. Um, you don't, I mean, especially with the bully situation, it's like, you know, don't, don't feed into that. Like, they don't, these kids don't matter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of like just reinforcing her, letting her know, like, no, you're not who they say you are. You're not, you're not lonely. You're not a loser or whatever, whatever kids are telling each other these days. Um, yeah, just trying to help her out in that and like mentally, mentally just enforce her that she's, she doesn't need to be bothered by this. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. Um, and so lo maybe looking back, um, at your own father figures, uh, maybe starting with your grandfather, um, what, what kind of influence did he have on, on your life, uh, that, that shaped you to be the person you are now one of the things to, i guess would just be that there's a time and place for everything um even growing up like i wasn't i guess i don't i guess i mean for for a bit i was 
your typical teenager. But I, and you know, even though I had uh, hoodlum friends, like I never engaged in that. Um, my friends knew me enough to not involve me in certain situations. Um, don't get me wrong, I still got in trouble, but it was never to the degree of which what they were doing. Um, so with him, he just kind of showed me what a family man looks like. You know, uh, my grandfather is definitely the center of our family. And, uh, I guess one of the bigger reasons why my family is still so close and together is because he's still alive. So, um, I would like to be that person. And that's always kind of where, where I looked at it as far as how I want my life to be when I'm, when I'm his age or when I'm at that point. Um, so family values has, have always been something that, that my grandfather has taught me, you know, family is everything. Um, you help out where you can, you know, don't overdo it. Just everybody has to understand that you can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's amazing that you, that you have somebody, um, like that in your life, uh, who's still there, who's still keeping the family together like that. Um, do you, do you guys like get together at all? Um, obviously, you know, <laughs> when there's not a pandemic going on. I've had family issues, uh, throughout the years. Um, I want to say that I'm considered the black sheep of the family. Um, so I, even though, like I said, I know it's going to sound contradicting as far as like what my grandfather instilled in me as far as family values. But I don't come around as much because of issues that we've had. Um, but I do try to make it a point to see see my grandparents really whenever I can. Um, but no, I mean, I, obviously, I wish it was more often. But like I said, I, I if I didn't have like that negative stigma on me to be a black sheep, I think I would. Uh, I would come around more. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I guess, um, did you have any other father figures growing up? It was just him. And then, you know, my mom did the best that she could, um, you know, to try to raise, raise a little boy. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, um, was it just, was it just you or did you have siblings as well? I have siblings. Um, my story is so complicated. <laughs> Get into it. Tell me. Um, so my, I have a sister and a brother. Mm -hmm. uh, my sister is, um, is from another dad. Mm -hmm. So she's like my half sister, but she's more my sister than my brother is my brother. Hmm. Um, and then my brother and I shared the same dad. But um, when my parents, my parents split up when I was a baby, he, my dad took my brother and my mom took me. Mm. And then when they got back together and we split again, it was kind of like the same thing. But I think at that point, my brother was old enough to, uh, to make an opinion for himself. And, you know, he still decided to stay with my dad. Um, and actually, I just barely started talking to my brother uh, maybe like two years ago. Mm -hmm. And even then, it's not like a constant thing. It's like every once in a while. Um, I send him pictures of his niece and it's just, you know, not really too receptive of it. Hmm. Um, so 
So I don't want to say that the relationship is uh is bad, but it, it's it's definitely more like non-existent mm-hmm. or barely. So yeah, hmm. and so, but yeah, I do have siblings. So. Okay, so um, so you're with your mother raising you guys. Um, did she ever remarry after that, or um, just no, on no, her no, after after my dad, that was it. Yeah, um, she she dated a couple times, yeah. but nothing, nothing serious. Yeah. And I and I I don't know I feel sometimes bad because I feel like it was it was more my fault you know mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how accepting it was back then to date a woman who had already had kids I know this day and age is more like um, it's okay not a big deal or maybe it's still a big deal I don't know I just, it might be depending on the demographic where you live in but yeah yeah, um, yeah I don't I don't know how how big of a deal that was but uh, I can't help but to feel that that might have been a factor. So growing up then it's, I mean, it's apparent that your, your mom tried to do a lot for you and, yes. and, um, and raise you well. Um, and I think she did a pretty good job, uh, based on the few interactions we've had. Um, so what, like, what was it, what was it like? Like, what did she do that, that taught you, um, to be the person you are now? She always just did everything she could. I think the biggest lesson that I've ever had from her was trust. Um, when I turned 13, uh, it was when I was allowed to go out a little bit more and hang out with friends. She did this gesture to me because I asked her, I was like, Mom, can I go to the mall with my friends? I want to hang out. And then she was like, um, sure, let me give you something before you leave. So she digs in her pocket and then she, she puts her hand out like this. And she says... Open your hand. So I open my hand. You know, I'm thinking she's about to give me money or something. And uh, she opens her hand and nothing comes down. You know, it's just empty. And I'm looking at her like, okay. And she's like, this is my trust. I'm giving it to you. It's up to you to keep it. You know, and then that lesson from from now on is is has always uh, been been instilled in me because it was that same thing that allowed me to not be in so much trouble like how I would have if you know hanging out with my friends and stuff I didn't drink I didn't smoke till I was 18 when I was able to to buy cigarettes um I didn't have my first drink of alcohol till I was 21 when I was able to drink you know and same thing that my grandfather would tell me and my mom would tell me as far as um there's a place and time for everything so you know when I was 18 I didn't have to bother anybody to buy me cigarettes I could do it on my own. When I was 21, I didn't have to, you know, wait outside a liquor store and tell somebody, hey, sir, can you buy me some beer? Or anything like that. Like, no, I can go in there and do it myself. Um, so it was just little things like that that um, I waited till I was the right age to do it. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing that, um, that I also try to instill in my own kid. It's like, hey, just wait. You know, you're not old enough. You will be soon. Just wait. Yeah, I mean that's, I mean, really impressive um, that that you took that so much to heart, that you took that trust so seriously, um, and that that you respected it. Um, so so now, like, um, you you know, you make sure that you wait for that time and place for everything, um, and and to show that responsibility and to to maintain that trust. And so how, how does that going outside of your immediate family, how, how does that 
uh, tie into the rest of your life and the rest of your experience? Um, I tried to share my experiences with uh, with everybody. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I started the podcast. Um, was just because I feel like some sometimes certain things can click to people that they might need. Um, some philosophies that people live by can also be applied to yours. And it doesn't necessarily have to be where like you're only living by that. It's just um, you can mix in different things. And that's kind of what I've learned from my own job. It's like there's you don't have to do things one way. You can do things one way based off everything else that you've learned. Um, so and I don't know were you like asking as far as like my interactions with other people. Yeah, yeah, like how 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 do you interact with other people um because of the way that uh your your mother and your grandfather um taught you as a kid? I feel like it's my my open openness has allowed me to be a people person. You know, I can I can relate or this is what I've been told, right? I don't want to sound like arrogant or anything like that. Uh but I've been told that I can relate to people and I'm easy to talk to. Um and I I do my best to not judge. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. So I probably have judged people in the past, probably still now. Um, but it's not that it's hard for me to give people my trust. I, you know, I'll give them trust. It's just, it's hard for me to get for, to give it back once it's already been broken. Um, cause I do take that very seriously. I don't, um, like my friendships, I take that, very serious and it's not like with you like i take our friendship very seriously you know um even though we've only met once you know but the interaction that we had left an impression on me to where like i don't i don't call you an acquaintance i call you my friend you know you're alex my friend you're not alex the other podcaster that i was just doing stuff with you know um like uh i've done I've done two other podcasts, which the other one was also my friend. Uh, but the one prior to that, Brandon and I did, and like, it was a good conversation. I don't want to bag on anything, but I I wouldn't really go as far as like, oh yeah, now we're friends. Like, no, we just know each other, you know. So like, I think friendships is what starts my own trust and makes me feel uh, that I can give you that trust based on our interactions, you know. And it's not like a full on trust, but it's it's more trust than I would give somebody that I just met. I guess with any interaction, it's based on trust. Like anybody tells you anything, you know, you're, you're making a decision in your head of, okay, do I, do I trust this person or not? Um, so I guess, I guess my question is then, um, what do you do, uh, to, to let people trust you? Um, obviously we mentioned, that, that you're very conversational and you're very friendly and, and open. Um, and I've noticed that from listening to your show that you, you just allow people to, to speak whatever their truth is, right? Um, so what, what else do you do to, to instill that trust in, in people, like make them able to trust you? If I give, I also receive. So, um, I think I'm the, I'm, I feel like I'm always more like the initiator as far as like showing somebody that I can be there for them. Um, and like I said, I don't know, I don't, I don't do it to, to always expect things back, you know, like I'm, I'm very aware that 
you know, you can treat others however you want to be treated. That doesn't mean you're always going to get that back. Um, and I think when I do get that back, that really shows me the type of person that they are. You know, um, without having... It's my biggest thing. It's like throughout my entire life, I've always been like reminded of the things that people have done for me. I hate that, you know, because at the end of the day, I feel like that was your choice. You know, I've never forced anybody to do or say anything for me. You know, you did it out of your own kind of heart at the time, you know, but because I've also been the person to not reciprocate things, you know, but then I'm reminded about the times that people were there for me and how I haven't been there for them. Um, so I hate being reminded of that. So, um, if I can do something for somebody, I don't expect anything, but when it does come, it's like, wow, like that really shows me the type of person that you really are. Um, so I think that's how more of my trust starts to build with, and by, you know, both ends, they see that I can, that I can be dependable as far and they can be dependable as well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it, I mean, it goes both ways. Um, so maybe I'm curious, uh, you mentioned how when you, when, when somebody loses that trust or when you lose trust in somebody, um, that it's hard to, to get it back. Um, have there been any moments where, where somebody has gotten it back where you, where you get back to a regular vibe and you feel like, yeah, you know, I can trust this person again? No, no, I, I feel like that's probably where I'm the most stubborn at. Um, because I try to not be in my feelings so much. But like I said, I take friendships and relationships very serious. Um, so I, I can probably go back to like, yeah, we conversate, you know, on a day to day basis and we might hang out every once in a while, but I'm very limited to what I do with you now, like, or how I interact with you. Um, it might seem like everything's back to normal, but I think that's just the type of person that I am. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I try to avoid more interaction with that person as much as I can. Um, it, which sucks. Cause it's like, so, um, what are my best friends for like ugh, 14 years now? Um, I got him a job where I worked at. <clears throat> Uh, the problem was that um, I was his boss. So um, during that time, I, he was going to be a new parent. And, you know, being his friend, I wanted to help him out and make sure that he, he made decent money to be able to take care of his kids. Um, so I tried to, I hooked him up with a job, got him good pay. And I tried to take him under my wing and teach him how to, you know, teach him the ropes of, you know, our business. And how to make sure that he can continue to grow and make more money. But when he had to leave for paternity leave, like everything went south. Um, and it, overall, man to man, I understand his decision of not coming back to work. You know, he, his, his lady um, had a C-section and they had twins. So it was really hard for her to be at home by herself you know, with both kids and her not being able to move, you know, but my logical side and the real world side of me, it's like you could have lost a foot, but the world keeps on going. And it's a sad truth. Like nobody really cares. 
you know, and as as the the manager of the establishment, my business has to continue going. You know, you're a part of it and I need you here. So it was really conflicting on that end. And I don't it, it's weird because it's like I don't I'm not mad at him for what he did on one side, but then I am on the other side. On a professional side, I'm I was very disappointed. On a personal side, it's like I probably would have done the same thing, but maybe not. Because um, I've been in situations too where like I've, I either choose to work or choose not to work and kind of just see what happens with my family. Like I, I guess mentally I just didn't have that liberty to be like, oh, it's okay if I don't have money to pay our rent right now. You know, as long as I'm here with my baby. Like I just didn't have that liberty. Um, and somehow you made it work. But the problem with that um, was that. I kind of felt betrayed in a sense. And the reason for that was because I don't know if you've ever been around people that when you were younger, they would say, Oh, Alex, you know, whenever you're done with high school or whatever, you know, we can get you a job. We got something lined up for you. Like, don't worry about it if you don't want college or I don't know. That was my situation. Right. Um, I had family members and family friends who were like, Oh yeah, don't worry about it. Let me know when you're done with, with high school. You know, I got you. I'll get you in. Not a problem. I know the manager or the hiring manager. We're cool. Yada, yada, yada. And then when push came to shove, like nobody could get me in. So the only person that ever stuck their neck out for me was my best friend. But the thing, too, it's like I'm very I remember very important things in my life. And one of the things that he told me when he got me the job was, hey, man, I'm sticking my neck out for you. Don't make me look bad. You know, and then we'll be okay." I appreciated that because until that point, besides my parents, nobody has done anything for me like that where it was life changing. So um, I I got the job and I was a rock star, you know, like I, I did everything good and I moved to different departments, you know, I moved positions. Um, so I was I was doing the right thing. And. That's when I started to be like, when I got him the job, that was me wanting him to reciprocate what I had just done for him. You know, and, and when he didn't do that, that's why I felt the way that I felt. Yeah, that may, I mean, that makes sense. Um, you do something for somebody and, and you hope that they do well with it, right? Um, yeah, and I think it's especially difficult in a professional setting, uh, especially between friends. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen it affect a lot of people, uh, working with friends or working with family. Um, especially if somebody doesn't, you know, doesn't pull their weight on, on something. Um, so, so what do you do? Um, what do you do to kind of, uh, protect that trust then to, to make sure or to try and um, ensure that this is somebody that you can trust and that they're not going to break, um, break that trust. Um, to be honest, I haven't ventured too much into, I guess, say make new friendships. You know, um, one of the things that, uh, I didn't want to believe growing up was that the older you get, the smaller your circle becomes. And, uh, unfortunately it's gotten to that point, you know, before I, I had 
at least 20 friends that we all got together and hung out and, you know, barbecued and partied and did everything. And then uh, end of high school came and then it went down from 20 to 15. And as we got older, went from 15 to 10. And then now that, you know, we're we're all reaching our 30s, you know, it's only three of us now. You know? Um, so, it, yeah, it's just, I... And it's not that I'm scared, you know, it's just more like, um, I think it's more comfort right now at this point, you know, I, I'm not against making new friendships, obviously, you know, like, like I said, um, but, uh, yeah, I just, it's not something that I, that I've looked into, like, or trying to like, just go out and make new friends. Are you comfortable, um, with, with having fewer friends? Would you like more friends? Like, where where do you stand on your, I guess on your, um, ideal uh, set of friendships? Fewer friends is definitely easier to manage. <laughs> it, you know, it's easier to please two people mm-hmm. than to please ten, and I think yeah. Um, yeah. that's one of the reasons why our circle has gotten smaller, is because, uh, you know, we we're at the point where we want to do, I guess, what you would call grown up things. And some people might still be stuck in the mentality of uh, it's too expensive. You know, we don't want to do that. It doesn't sound fun or, um, yeah, just stuff like that. And, you know, most of us now, or at least all three of us are now with, you know, wives. Uh, two of us have kids. Um, the other one, I guess, just kind of waiting around to see what happens. Um, so we, but we're kind of already headed that, that route. You know, whereas in like some of our other friends that we used to hang out with, um, which is not it's not a bad thing. Right. It's not to knock on nobody. It's just our lives have taken different paths. Um, and if you don't have those responsibilities that we have, I would probably be doing what they're doing, which is, you know, maybe starting new business ventures or uh, being out partying. I mean, not that it's happening that right now, but that was prior to the whole covid thing. Um, that's what they were doing and they were living their lives. Which is perfectly fine. I mean, like I said, if you don't have those type of responsibilities and maybe that's not where you want your life to go at right now, then what you're doing is fine. You're, you're where you're supposed to be at at the time where you're supposed to be at. And and so I guess, um, I, I mean, I've seen this a lot with any relationship is that is that um, just kind of going on different paths, right? Your lives go in di- different directions. Like, what are you supposed to do? Um, but then with you... Uh, being more into grown-up things, tell tell me a little bit about um, about what it means in your mind uh, to have fun as a grown-up. You know, like um, I've also have like older friends, um, and you know they're doing like cabins, they're doing um, trips together, like to to Arizona for like the lakes and stuff. They're they're renting out homes to you know for everybody to be out there. It's just that sense of community. And it's not it's not like going to Vegas and everybody gets a room and everybody just gets bunched up in there. Like, no, this is like a family thing. You know, like kids are welcome. Kids are brought up. Um, you know, uh, like I said, it's a couple thing. And I think that has to do a lot with some of my other friends not being in relationships. So it's. I think that's one of the reasons why it's more like grown up family oriented things. 
it's more of what I've been what I've been aiming for. Yeah, so you're you're becoming more and more of of that family man. Um like we talked about before, like being a, a dad uh, and being there showing up for your daughter. Um and so so as as you get more into these things, do you ever miss the the being younger or do you just kind of see it as well this you know this is the next thing but then too i guess uh i've always just uh, been forced to grow up fast you know after after coming back here from mexico to the states i uh i wasn't forced to but things that i wanted you know cuz you know like i said my mom did whatever she could uh, but things that I wanted extra, like I wanted a cell phone when I was younger. You know, I got I got a cell phone, but I had to work for it. And uh, my sister's boss at the time needed somebody to uh, to pass out flyers uh, for his business. So he would pay me every weekend to do that. And that's how I paid for my cell phone. And whatever money I had extra, I was able to buy myself clothes. Um, and this is like at 13, 14 years old. You know, so at, at that time, I already had a bill to pay him out. I'm not saying that I'm special or any way. Or for people to feel sorry for me, but that's just kind of what I had to do. Um, and then as I got older, when I graduated high school, I couldn't go to college. Um, you know, because I couldn't afford it. You know, I didn't, I didn't qualify for uh, financial aid. So um, I had to drop my classes and start working because my mom got sick. So, you know, it's just, I didn't really get to experience a lot of the standard stuff. But I guess the partying part. For me, when I turned twenty-one, that was that was pretty cool for me. I, I that was when I sort of had my my stuff together, and um, yeah, I was just able to party. And you know, I still worked, had my responsibilities, everything was paid on time, but I parked a lot. So I think that helped me to get a lot of my stuff out early. That's yeah, that's interesting. Um... I mean, how, how you have these different phases of life at, at different times and you learn different things at different times. And, um, and so what do you see looking more forward to the future? Uh, what do you see uh, being the next phase of your life? I guess just really to continue to, to be here, you know, with, with my family and, and grow the family and, and not necessarily to add kids. Um, but like to add those friendships, you know, cause I consider like, so the, the two friends that I was talking about, um, actually I should say, I should say four or three, you know, I consider, I consider Brandon family, um, you know, uh, me and him gotten really close over the last couple of years. Um, it, it's, it's like those people that I want around and, and want that to be family. You know, I want my daughter to refer to them as uncles, you know, and and it, you know, and then their respective ones as aunts and stuff like that. Um, just because, like I said, whatever I got going on with my own family, you know, um, I don't know if that'll ever get resolved, or you know, maybe one day. But as of right now, that's kind of what I want. And even if it does happen, I want to integrate whatever I have here over there too. Like you know, I want everything to come together. Um, I would like to have you know your your Sunday dinners with everybody, you know, just comes in, whether it's my house, somebody else's house, a restaurant, doesn't matter just to get it one day out of the week to where we all come together. Um, 
that's really my overall goal as far as like for the future for a personal thing. Um, on my professional life, you know, I, I hope the podcast keeps going well and how it is right now. And uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can start making some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, actually speaking of the podcast, um, I'm kind of curious, uh, what are, what are some of the coolest things that you've learned from guests on the show? I've learned that people really do have their own ideas. I, I've learned that. And, um, but I've also learned that people are really manipulated by their own, by somebody else's ideas as well. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a fun ride just to kind of hear people out and, and the, and, I've been getting this lately uh, about our podcast that it should probably be a little bit more structured, um, which I'm not in disagreement, but I like the fact that I can ask you a question on the spot and then you answer it. I don't, I don't like to do like pre questions so that the guests know what's coming because I feel like you filter your answer. You want to, you want to please somebody as far as what you're going to say. That's not my goal. I want you to really tell me how you feel. I want you to tell me what you really think. Like, and even if it's a bad thought, it doesn't matter. That's still your thought. And if you want to change it, that's on you. I'm not here to change it. I just want to know what's really behind, behind your mind. So, and I think, I think you do a great job of, of interviewing people and, um, and making them feel comfortable to actually say, say their real thoughts so that they don't filter it. Right. Like I said, these conversations are already happening. It's just nobody's really putting in them in a platform when somebody can hear them. You know, I've also had plenty of, of, you know, people reaching out to us saying, I don't understand why I keep finding myself talking to you guys and you guys cannot hear me on your conversations. You know, it's a pre-recording, but I feel like I'm there with you guys. And I'm, I'm, I'm arguing with you, Oscar, but I just realized you can't talk back to me. You really can't hear what I'm saying. Um, so I think that's hilarious, but I feel like I'm achieving my goal in doing that. Like I'm involving people in the conversation and, and they're creating their own opinions. Anything that I say, it's not for people to agree with. It's just for them to hear some, another point of view, or it might be the same point of view. I don't know, but it's just to get people to think and to start talking. And like I said, I've always encouraged people to just reach out to us. You know, we want to have you on the show. We're not. We're not, I mean, it'd be, obviously it'd be great to have somebody famous on, on the podcast to just, to boost up, you know, uh, the ratings and stuff. But overall, this is a people for us, regular schmoes that have our own opinions, have our own feelings. And we, we debate and discuss things that go on around the world. And, um, sometimes we know what we're talking about and sometimes we don't, and that's okay, but you still have your own opinion. And that's that's what that's what I want. Yeah, and I I love it. I think um, that's one of the most awesome things about podcasting is that it's so accessible. Like it's so easy to get into, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, and it it, it feels good because I know when when I was on your show, you mentioned how you guys were gonna do just like a few episodes, right? And then you know, now you are here a year later, right? Yeah. We actually just hit a year this Tuesday that just passed. And, uh, we were only going to do five cause we didn't know how this was going to go. Um, we didn't know if people were actually going to listen and 
you know, five episodes in, like we weren't where we where we wanted to be as far as uh as listenership was. But it was decent enough to be like, okay, somebody's paying attention. So we I just told Brandon, I was like, look, man, this is cool, this is fun. Let's just extend it to ten. And once we're at ten, we'll just see where this goes. Um we hit ten episodes and our listenership grew and you know, I got more excited, Brandon got more excited. And then we decided just to do a second season, um, which the second season is going to be our last season. Um, I don't know if you've listened to that episode, but giving something seasons is we feel is putting an end to something and we don't plan on ending this anytime soon. So we're season two from here on out until we, somebody puts us off air or we just really decide to, to not do this anymore. I love that. Um, Yeah, to just keep rolling with it. And I love what you guys do. Like the people you have on, you have such a diverse uh, group of people that you chat with uh, because of your openness and uh, really, really awesome conversations. Um, But so, I mean, for the foreseeable future, you'll be doing this and uh, I look forward to it. Um, and, And so as you move forward into the future, um, with that, and as you look forward into the future, this is kind of how I wrap up all all of the these conversations I have on my wax museum is asking you um, at the end of your life, you know, hopefully you're like a hundred years old or 150 or maybe 200, you know, like I don't know. Um, but at the end of your life, when you're looking back on everything, everything you've ever done, you know, stuff that you've done already and then stuff that's in the future still. Um, what are you most proud of and what are you most satisfied with? I think I'm just proud of where I am now in my life based on where I came from. You know, um, I feel like I don't I don't see it as much and it's it's rewarding when I hear my friends talk about they've you know, they've seen my struggle. And no matter what it has been, like I overcome it and I make things happen and I'm here now because I've done that. And I'm proud of that on my, for myself. Um, what, and what did you ask me after that? What I hope to leave behind? Um, I just, I just hope to leave memories behind. That's really what it is. And um, one of the things that I liked about about your wax museum is you ask, like you asked Emma uh, about how how you guys met. And she gave you a whole story about a party, you know, and I like that. It was a memory that she has of you. And I want people to have memories of me, um, good or bad. It doesn't matter to me at this point. Um, just memories. You know, just to one day think like, damn, like, I remember I did this with Oscar. I talked to this uh, with Oscar. Um, I think that'd be great just for people to be able to remember me. And um, I don't want to sound typical as far as like changing the world or anything like that. But um, at least for the podcast, like if somebody can be like, hey, you know what? Like this helped me to think of things in a different way like that. That to me is rewarding in itself. That's awesome. 
Well, I mean, you'll be happy to know I've got nothing but good memories of you so far. So I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to maybe some bad ones in there. If you ever want to throw one in, uh, right, just right, let no, me for know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I've loved this conversation. If you want to, uh, we're at the end end of the show now. But if you want to plug um, plug your show and how people can get involved and uh, and anything else that you want to share at the end here. Sure. Um, so uh, my podcast is called uh, Locker Room B.O. Uh, you can find that on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's all one word. And um, if you want to find me personally, uh, my Instagram is uh, at Seaway, which is S-I-G-U-E-Y. Uh, that's my personal Instagram. But I, I'm just so involved with my podcast that it's probably you'll be seeing double of everything. Um, that's kind of I've been promoting myself. Um, and then if you guys would like to be part of my show, um, I, I also have a co-host named Brandon, which I'm sure you guys will hear about him next week. Um, just reach out to us. We're, we're like I said, we're open to talk about anything and everything. And, um, maybe Alex can attest to this, but sometimes we don't even have to say anything. We had a full episode where our guest completely took over the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just cause she had an amazing story to tell. So, um, it's also like I would encourage it because it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you guys want to come on and talk about it, get a little taste of it, um, and then maybe you know encourage you to start your own podcast. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. should. Everybody's got something to share. So uh, yeah, for sure. Thank you uh, again for uh, for joining me and for being my friend. No, Alex, I appreciate it, man. Um, you know, I I was looking forward to talking to you this whole week, so I appreciate it. And thank you for listening not just to this show but to the people around you the best way to change the world to help things get better is to sit down and make five minutes in your day to listen intently to the people around you mecco